Thank you for downloading from Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. Support for this podcast comes from your generous gifts and donations. You can find out more about Ravi Zacharias and the team at www.rzim.org. I think the role of apologetics is vital to give the hard edges too. The commitment to Christianity is costly and it's not easy. And it's not a palliative, it's not the easy answer to every question. It's a cross-centered, cruciform discipleship that calls people to radical surrender. A powerful statement and a reminder of the critical need for apologetics in today's world. Welcome back to Just Thinking, as we bring the conclusion to a panel discussion on apologetics between Ravi Zacharias, Stuart McAllister, Amy Orr Ewing, and Alistair McGrath. Today we're going to begin with a question about the church. Our panel was asked, what is the biggest challenge facing the church today? And is it any different from the church in the past? Here's Amy to answer that question. I think one of the greatest challenges for us as a church is um, to ask ourselves whether we actually really believe God's word and whether we really believe the gospel ourselves. Um, I was speaking at a conference in the UK for about 12,000 teenagers over the summer. Young people were getting up early in the morning in order to get there, in order to get a seat um, to hear. And reflecting on that and talking to many of those young people afterwards and asking them, you know, why this was meeting such a need. For them, it was, my questions are being taken seriously and a legitimate answer is being given to them. But also, we're hearing um, preaching which is is really kind of based in conviction and um, belief that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. For us in the UK, one of the challenges of the church is that we're constantly sort of running after the latest fad, you know, that is going to save the church. What is the latest methodology that's going to fill our pews and and bring people in? But actually, the question is, do do we really believe what God has said in his word? Are we convinced of it? And are we getting out there and and sharing that message? And we saw over a thousand young people become Christians at that conference, Mm. many of, of whom had grown up in Christian homes but hadn't encounter the Lord Jesus for themselves. It was an incredibly moving thing. I'd like to present two thoughts. Um, I think in the church, the big, two big challenges, number one, how do you differentiate between an error in form and a corruption of substance? You know, it's one thing if the form is erroneous, you can cope with that. But if the substance is being corrupted by the method, then you've got a serious problem. Mm-hmm. And I think therefore, theologically, with our tremendous focus on methods today, we have to differentiate between what is merely an error in form over against that which is a corruption of the substance of the message. And the second thing I would say is, I think more than anything else, I would pray and long and yearn to see the church raise up more, and God, I guess, raise up more expositors of God's word true exposition is a rarity in our time. Mm. And it's one thing that we truly miss and I think and long for it's going back to the word. And that's what is written and that's what must be expounded. What do you see the role of apologetics to be in a seeker-sensitive church? Can they coexist effectively? 
I actually attend a seeker-sensitive church, and uh, that's a good question. I think um, in our, just in re meeting recently with the leadership team uh, of our church, that question has come out. Yes, I, I think the answer to the, is a positively yes. I think what has happened is that in some of the churches, they've grown so fast, they've been good at fishing, um, but my observation is we're not always good, as good at discipling. And so some of the questions come up is that people come in to the faith, but their unaddressed doubts pop up very quickly. For instance, uh, in Bible studies, you know, you find out people that, uh, I mean, they have no knowledge of Scripture and they have problems with the way the Scripture is worded and so forth. And it's almost like, you know, they've been, they feel as if they've been smuggled in through the front door and then given, you know, a bill of goods afterwards that wasn't. So I think the role of apologetics is vital to give the hard edges too. The commitment to Christianity is costly and it's not easy. And it's not a palliative, it's not the easy answer to every question. It's a cross-centered, cruciform discipleship that calls people to radical surrender. So I think we have to bring that out. And I think some of these churches are they're taking a corrective. I mean, they can't blank a whole movement. These pastors and, and leaders, I think many of them uh, are very sensitive to movements and they're sensitive to the questions in their congregations. So I think there's, it's an important issue. They go together nicely. Thank you. Uh, there's a question on transcendence here. Conscience-like desire suggests the presence of the transcendent. How important then is experience in one's effort to build bridges with unbelievers? I think it's in the context of conscience, I think, the question. Well, I, I think it, it is quite important um, because one of the, the things we're looking at is ways of trying to speak the gospel to our culture in ways that's going to resonate with where they are. Obviously, that doesn't mean we want to leave them there, we want to move them on. But what, one of the questions that, that we can ask with profit is, is there any way in which the existence of the transcendent is disclosed in a secular culture? And a whole series of writers like Peter Berger and others you know, have, have talked about what they call signals of transcendence. In other words, uh, even in a very secular culture, things happen, things are said, things are done, which, which make it clear that other people may nominally profess themselves to be secular, actually they, they have a suppressed or a, a latent awareness of something that goes beyond that. And I think that that's why the importance of listening is so important, you know, reading secular literature, uh, listening to what people are saying. And very often beneath a, a secular veneer there is actually a, a real questing for something very transcendent, which we can begin to relate to. So I, I certainly think that there is a, a much greater awareness of the transcendence than we are aware of. And I think that Paul's approach in Acts 17 continues to be immensely important. What you worship as unknown, we proclaim to you. You may, you may have this intuitive awareness of something that is beyond you, but we can name it and we can disclose it fully. We can bring it to you. And that, it seems to me that is an ongoing theme in apologetics, to bring to conscious articulation people's awareness of something that's beyond them, and then say, we're not just gonna leave you there and say, yes, there might be something, we know it, and we can bring it to you, and you can share in this wonderful gospel and all its radiance. I think this is our final question. What do we say to Christians who allegorize scripture and read into God's word their own liberal theology? I think we need to ask questions when we come to scripture and encourage people to be asking the right kind of questions when they're interpreting scripture. Um, what was the writer's intention when they wrote this? What is the context? 
um, in which it is written, both within scripture and the historical context in which it comes. Um, am I actually willing to, to look at those things and I, am I open to those things or am I just kind of smuggling my own liberal opinions into the text? We have a, a huge debate going on um, within the Anglican Church, of which I'm a part, as is um, Alistair, uh, around the world um, as to how we interpret scripture, particularly on this issue of homosexuality. And one of the interesting kind of developments in the debates that I've noticed just in the last six months or so is the attempt of the kind of much more liberal wing of the church to reclaim scripture. Um, in fact, I read an article recently which said, you know, we have allowed the evangelicals to, to take the scriptures and, and we must reclaim them. And, uh, you know, of course the Bible doesn't say anything about this and Jesus never mentioned it. And um, homosexuality actually is, is right. So um, we have a tremendous challenge um, on our hands as evangelists, as apologists, as church leaders. To, to, to stand for what scripture really says, to, to credibly interpret scripture, to understand New Testament Greek, to understand the historical context, the writer's intentions, etc., and to communicate that in an intelligent and compelling way. Mm -hmm. um, but it is a challenge. I wanted Alistair, before we close, and first of all, thanks so much for coming, Alistair. I'd like for you to just comment on, you're in the heart of uh, leading universities of the world, you know, as an evangelical voice in a great institution surrounded by much that probably is a threat to what you believe and so on. You've got the Richard Dawkins and the others out there at Oxford too. Give us a take on what kind of impact the evangelical voice has there. What future do you see for something of this? Are you optimistic about the engagement of ideas? Yes. Well, thank you, Ravi. That's a very good question. Um, I mean, uh, Wycliffe Hall, where I teach, is right at the center of Oxford University. And it's an immensely strategic opportunity because we can engage in some of these great debates with, with young people too, which is immensely important. Uh, it is very challenging, I want to say that, but I also want to reassure you that actually it, it is a very exciting place to be. Uh, in February of um, last year, we had a, a great atheism debate at the Oxford Union. And this is, a, this is amazing, this brought together some very good speakers from the Christian side and the best from the atheist side, and it was a no-holds-barred debate, I can tell you, and it was a very, very powerful debate. What was interesting is that the consensus was that the Christians won. And you know, what was really exciting is that all the arguments were dealt with, there was a real engagement, a real meeting of minds, there was real involvement with a, a huge audience, but the perception was, we've got to go away and rethink this, there's more to Christianity than we thought. Now that's the kind of thing we want to do more of. I think that really all of us who work in university context, Ravi, doing some wonderful work, you know, we are getting young people's minds at a formative stage. And what we really need to say to them is Christianity makes sense. It really is attractive. And don't believe people who say it's dead and on its way out. It has, you know, a long life ahead of it. I think one of the great challenges really is just to reassure a rising generation mm -hmm. that the faith that their parents and grandparents believed in can service them right throughout the rest of their lives as well. So the universities are a very important battleground. And we need to put our best people in there because there's some very important work to be done there, either on a temporary basis. Basis visiting or on a permanent basis, but really there's a great 
work to be done there, and there are some very encouraging signs to be had. That wraps up our panel discussion, but you can purchase this entire Q&A series or the DVD curriculum by calling us at 1-800-448-6766 and asking for the title, Apologetics Then and Now. And if you enjoy listening to our team answer questions, be sure to check out our Ask Away podcast featuring Vince and Joe Vitale, where they answer questions sent in from listeners like you. Here's Joe Vitale for more information. I'm Joe Vitale, and like you, I have a lot of questions about the Christian faith. I think so often we don't feel the freedom to ask them, particularly in the church. Sometimes it seems like the church has fled from our questions, and in turn, many young people are fleeing the church. So if you have questions, then please send them in to askaway at rziam.org or on Twitter, it's hashtag askrziam. We would love to hear from you. You can email your questions to askaway at rzim.org or use the hashtag AskRZIM on Twitter. And be sure to listen to episodes of Ask Away on our website or iTunes. Our web address is rzim.org or rzim.ca for those in Canada. Just Thinking is a listener-supported radio ministry and is furnished by Ravi Zacharias International Ministries in Atlanta, Georgia. Do you feel challenged and hungry for more insight and truth? If so, join us next week for more Just Thinking. Until then, keep thinking.